What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Johnson Title Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This episode's guest is Ken Susie from Unearth. You might know Ken from a lot of things, whether it be any of his multiple bands, mainly Unearth. Maybe you've seen him as the guy who sells pickups. And maybe my co-host is someone that you've heard across many platforms. And maybe he tries to sell you some shit, too. Mr. Daniel Terry, how are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, I mean, I got some VHS tapes for sale, and, uh, you know, it's an original Star Wars trilogy, John. It could be yours. For the low, low price of? I don't know. How much you got? Uh, I, I don't like Star Wars, so you're begging up the wrong tree. Oh, so a new, a new adopter. Okay, well, then for you, John, three bucks. Everybody else, forty nine ninety nine. Uh One easy installment of forty nine ninety nine. Yes, just one easy installment, limited time offer. You actually have to call me and set it up before this podcast posts. <laughs> so you figure that out. You know what people do watch and what they, people do pay attention to is uh, this new Unearth record, Extinctions, uh, which is coming out uh, November 23rd via Century Media Records. Uh, I got to say, uh, it is it's a really fucking good record. Heavy. It's very heavy. Um, it's, I mean... As you'll kind of hear me allude to in the chat, uh, it's a it's a modern unearth record, but there are signs to what the band has done previously. Like if you were a fan of stuff from the oncoming storm, there's stuff in here for you that you will be like, oh, there's the unearth I I fell in love with. Yeah, the whole record, man, is kind of a barn burner. Um, I've only gotten to get through it about once, but uh, I mean. The, to me, this is not the unearth that I remember. No, no. To be no, perfectly no. honest, like this is this is a whole different thing. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you can t- tell it's unearthed. They've, you can't be around as long as they've been around, and you know, not carve out your own sound. But uh, it's so it's recognizable as unearthed. But you know, it definitely, like vocally alone, is yes. <laughs> leaps and bounds more aggressive than we've ever gotten so it's funny that you mentioned trevor's vocals on this uh something so when listening to the record and in particular the songs song sidewinder i uh in listening to it i was like jesus christ it sounds like james hart from 18 visions like it has that kind of scream that james has got and you know on earth has been around a long time probably played shows with 18 visions and so forth so it wouldn't be that far out of the realm of plausibility um so i sent james a dm and i was like dude are you on the new on earth and he sent me a message back he goes i'm not but i really thought about fucking with you for a minute and giving you misinformation so when you did your interview (laughs) you were just gonna be like so it's really cool you got james hart to do (laughs) guest vocals (laughs) that would be hilarious it was uh one of those things i ended up telling ken that story um and he was like, well, I mean, we'd love to have him on a song if he ever really wants to do something. So I'm probably going to send James that snippet and be like, yo, 
so the ball's in your court. If you want to make something happen, it, it, make something happen. Right. I mean, at that point, it has to, it has to become real. Yes. I, I want it to be, so it has to be. Exactly. I, I mean, I like, I, I actually like track six, seven, eight in conjunction to yeah. one another. I had a good flow going on. I was carrying a bunch of heavy stuff while I was listening <laughs> to it. So I was listening to heavy stuff while carrying heavy stuff. And, um, it definitely got me through the day, man. Um, I've only made it all the way through the album probably once, but every time I get to Sidewinder, I start over. So I've listened to probably the first seven or eight tracks like six or seven times. I mean, I guess that's that's a pretty good indicator. And to be honest, that's the most I've probably listened to an Unearth record ever. I think there's a a pretty positive review for the the record and how good it really is if that's how you feel about it. Yeah, no, dude, it this is like I said, this is a whole other beast. Um I I like to be fully transparent. I was not super into Unearth um before hearing this and now I'm kind of like, yeah, dude. And uh I don't know how many times we can talk about how great Unearth is and how well they weave in and out of things. So how about we get to that conversation and weave into that. And we will talk to you afterwards. <laughs> I'll uh, start off before we actually kick into it, and I'll tell you this funny story. Um, so listening to the record, I was uh, listening to Sidewinder, and Trevor's like vocals are a little like different than I've heard on other records at this point. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I legit <laughs> sent a DM to uh, James Hart, and I was like, dude, are you on this new on Earth, like on Sidewinder, doing like the, the title vocal? And he sent me a thing back, and he goes, "I almost was gonna fuck with you and say yes, just to give you misinformation, so you would go on on the record and say like, oh, it was really cool that you guys <laughs> got got uh, James Hart.'" And he yeah. was like, "No, I wasn't on it." And I was like, "Well, I would've... even if you didn't, I still think it would have been fucking funny, and I'm still gonna bring it up because I I do find it amusing." Yeah, um, oh, Dom would love it. I would love if he uh, did a a guest spot on yeah. So I had the pleasure this early afternoon of talking to Ken Susie of Unearth, who have a new album, Extinctions, uh, coming out November 23rd via Century Media. How are you doing in wonderful Ocala, Florida? Oh, it's amazing. Absolutely great. No, the weather's good. We, we've had rain for the past four weeks, so it's totally awesome to be out of that crap. <laughs> That's pretty much what I'm experiencing right now in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So, Yeah. Fall is officially here. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not looking forward to the winter, but whatever. You got to do what you got to do. So, very much like your beloved uh, Boston sports, I was trying to think of a, a time when Unearth didn't put out a really good record, and, you know, I, I don't think I can really do that. Just like, uh, I don't think kids nowadays understand that Boston wasn't the great sports town that it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we suffered a bit. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I grew up uh, during the uh, era of... Uh, uh, the, uh, the Bruins lost the cup to the Oilers in uh, the late 80s. That has been terrible all our lives until basically the next race. We've been really lucky, but we 
guys my age know uh, the heartache <laughs> and the pain that go along with being a Boston sports fan. But now it's you know other than the Celtics, but but uh, hey, yeah, you won one in that the way. last like, decade. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 so, yeah. So far, right now, we have just a ton of, ton of championships. So I'm super psyched. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about Warp Tour because, uh, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to see you guys get on, on the tour because if my memory serves me correct, you guys only did a small run in 02 where you only did like basically the yeah. Midwest dates. So what was it like doing the full run? Uh, it was awesome. Uh, we uh, we always wish we, we uh, got the opportunity to play that tour, but for some reason we kept getting like offered uh, – you know, Ozfest and Mayhem and 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 Sounds of the Underground and all those types of tours and, and those are all great and stuff. But uh, I wish we capitalized on it a lot earlier in our career. Uh, this this particular tour was uh, unbelievable. Um, managed uh, the people who ran the festival um, uh, did an amazing job. Took care of the bands and it's it's the opposite of basically everything that I heard. Uh, you know, prior to getting there, everyone usually says it's, it's a really hard tour. And, you know, and, and you can't get much help, uh, support on the road. You know what I mean? From from right. management and stuff like that. But um, it was absolutely the opposite, and it was uh, it was really fun. We had a really great time, all of us. And the shows were great too. We played our asses off, and um, you know, and, and most days were really good. So we're really excited. You know, being on a tour like Warp Tour, and I know in the last couple of years, you know, Kevin did a really great job of putting. I don't necessarily want to call you guys legacy acts, but you know, bands like a hate breed or an acacia strain or things like that, like kind of heavier bands that have been around and are road dogs basically. And to me, it wasn't a huge surprise to see you. Cause you know, when I put it in that kind of a prism, it totally makes sense. But how did you go over with the crowd? Cause I, I don't feel like that's necessarily a crowd that is maybe your demographic typically. That's exactly the reason why we did the tour. We, I was actually nervous going into it that we were going to have a really up, you know, like uphill battle every day, uh, playing against, you know, with bands like, you know, water parks and issues and, you know, like all those like definite bands that are very different than us. But, uh, it went over really well. Uh, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Um, every day, uh, there was attendance, uh, people were, were getting into what we did. I think, it helped that um, we were one of the heavier bands on the run. Um, you know, like us and every time I die, luckily, uh, you know, we came out of the same, I would say, uh, class. <laughs> yeah. You know, like uh, when it comes to uh, how old we are, our age and stuff like that. But um, it was it was amazing to, uh, you know, hang with those guys and, you know, meet new bands like, uh, you know, guys from Wage War and, and, and you know, Most of White. And uh, believe it or not, we really took well to um, Twisted, yeah, they're really they're really fun guys, and uh, everybody everybody on the run was really nice. I, I can't think of a, a time where a band was like you know had ego or or anything like that happened at all this summer. And and the coolest part is too is that everyone hung out. Um, I've been on tours too where everyone gets in their bus and they start hiding and uh, stuff like that. But you no, know, there was there was uh, activities every night. It was just basically a parking lot, and, you know, hangout. So it was it was an amazing tour. The crowd response and stuff was was amazing. I think it's just like like Tomas, <laughs> one of the heavier bands that worked out, and uh, you know we got to meet a lot of new bands like Kubukan and and uh, there's that band Sharp Tooth and stuff like that. It's just a lot of unique bands on the run that were that were cool. How many games of a uh, cornhole did you win? Uh, Buzz and I uh, uh, ran the table a bit, uh, but uh, you know there's obviously excellent players like. Uh, uh, the guys from Harm's Way, uh, Bo and James and stuff like that, and um, and then um, 
Andy Williams and uh, and Steve from Every Time I Die, uh, Jordan. Like everybody, we we you know we spent a lot of time together playing cornhole. <laughs> but uh, but it, depending on the day, uh, it was you know people were like, you know, who was hot, who was not, you know. So right. it was really fun. It, that was that was a nightly occurrence for sure. And uh, Andy Williams knows how to bring the party. He always he has the professional bags, he has the professional, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the boards and stuff, and he takes it super serious. So it's uh, <laughs> I love that dude. He's, he's hilarious. You know, uh, something that I've always kind of thought was interesting about, you know, summertime tour, the festival circuit and so forth like that is bands who end up doing these runs, but they don't have a new record yet out. You know, it's coming, but yeah. you know, you, you ended up doing the whole Warped Tour, and I was actually expecting you guys to probably middle of it or so be like, hey, here's our new record, and, and that didn't happen. So was it kind of a – I mean, I don't re- recall you playing anything off of the, the new record on Warped Tour – I could be wrong with that, but I was going to say, was it kind of a bummer that like you probably had some of these songs ready to go and you, you knew they were coming and kind of maybe wanted to give them like a live debut and just be like, Hey motherfuckers, like, look what I got. Uh, yeah, no, uh, we played one song. Uh, we released a single called incinerate uh, yeah. for that tour to, to kind of promote the new record. Uh, I'm actually glad we didn't, um, move forward and, and um, do the record, you know, the full record and release it during that time. Summer's a really busy time. I think a lot of people are out doing things and laughing there thinking of is like oh yeah i gotta sit home and like you know download this record or i mean sometimes it's cool where people like grab a record and they drive to it all all summer or whatever but um our record's getting released at a time where i think there's a lot of uh people starting to hibernate (laughs) at least in the northeast and stuff like that or (laughs) or northwest and uh they had you know they're looking for a good record to listen to and and you know something to buy close to to christmas and thanksgiving and stuff like that so um yeah, we're hoping for the best, but no, we did we did play a song, uh, one or two songs uh, this summer just to you know test some stuff out, and um, it went over well. And uh, you know that's why we basically put you know the first thing out as our lead track, uh, you know, so people can hear it during that festival. You know, I know you're only not even a week into the the current headlining run. How much of the new material are you playing at this point? Uh, we're playing four songs, but we have uh, I think like seven or eight out of like 10 songs um we have eight songs down to play okay uh so far we we focus on like four at the beginning of tour just to get like in a groove with them and then we're going to rotate others in um but yeah we we uh this is the first time in a while that we've um felt really strong about a record to where we learned the whole record before we went out on a run you know kind of speaking to the new record it was pretty well publicized that you uh had dl kind of working on you with the right you and buzz for the writing sessions uh, what was it kind of like bringing in somebody else to kind of bounce ideas off of and so forth? Um, well, DL and I, uh, we hang out uh, a lot. Uh, he and I are very close friends. Um, you know, I guess the way to put this is that Buzz and I uh, still wrote, like, we wrote separately. Uh, DL wasn't, um, didn't have any writing credit on all the songs, but I think it ended up being like four. Right. Four or five of them or something like that. And um, But I'll, I'll tell you, like, he's... Um, he's amazing. Like, uh, it's being from Massachusetts, being as close as we all are to each other and the scene and, you know, and, and that kind of thing, uh, you know, you get 20 records in like Buzz and I have, you know, 20 years in or whatever, five, six, seven records or whatever. Sometimes it's not that you lose focus, but you have a tendency to make, um, you make the same moves to have the same habits. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was a good opportunity to have like, like sit down with DL, show him riffs, and then write riffs in front of him or together. Um, 
And, uh, I mean, he's a tremendous writer. He's a great composer. And, I mean, there was a million times where, like, I'd put together a riff and he'd be like, oh, come on, you always do that. Let's, let's try something else. Let's do this. And it was very encouraging. The same stuff that, like, Adam D used to do, like, you know, like, like earlier, earlier on. Uh, actually, the first two records, Adam D, you know, didn't really, like, you know, help with that kind of, like, uh, composition stuff. But he mm-hmm. was throwing the great ideas that would, like, bring the song to another level. Because sometimes it just takes somebody that doesn't have the perspective of, like, being married to a song to see through the song. And uh, so DL would just get in there with us and uh, write, you know, write parts or, or assist in songs or restructure things or, or make drums or whatever it was uh, during the process. Um, you know, uh, he was just there for it. And uh, I'm, I'm really lucky. I think we're all really lucky to have someone like him around, uh, you know, in the area that was willing to, like, you know, do that with us. And um, I hope to work with him in the future. It was, it was unbelievable. I think, you know, Revivalist came out really cool as a song he worked on. Um, yeah, it was it, like stuff like that. Uh, Sidewinder, the song that you uh, that you liked that you were talking about prior to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, stuff like that. Stuff like that. But yeah, so it's it's funny. Like I trolled online and stuff and saw people like making comments and people are like, oh, this and oh my god, they hired an outside writer. But it's like, no, it's not. It's like it's like three it's three guys that are friends in a room having chicks, you know, writing riffs and just having laughs and. Next thing you know, like the song comes out of it, and you know DL is super selfish, and, and so are we. And I mean, we're 20 years into a career, so we're like, yeah, you know, like let's write with someone else in a room. You know, leave your house and write in the new place. Like, it, it just it felt right, especially the fact that we were trying to get back to our roots of like what we do. You know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because in listening to the record, first of all, production-wise, and, and I'll get to working with Will in a minute, but it just. I don't mean to sometimes I feel like this is a backhanded compliment and I definitely don't mean it to be, but there's like a, a sense <laughs> there's a sense of of almost like a, a fire reburnt. And you know, I felt it on uh Watches of the was it Watches of the Crown? Watches of the Rule, yeah. Watches of the Rule, yeah, sorry. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I feel like you know, when you kind of look at every record, you know, I feel like there's the band's always trying to prove something. But I feel like on this one it's like you know, you're kind of talking about the band being, you know, 20 years into the career and taking different approaches to writing the album and so forth. And it definitely comes across because there's stuff on here where I'm like, oh, shit, like I wasn't expecting that. And there's even in the song structures, you know, like some of the, the, the blast beats and some of the stuff you guys are doing on it, like under even if it's just for, you know, a couple of seconds. It's like it's interesting to yeah. see what you guys are doing and adding new little tricks and even some of the effects you're adding to the songs and and so forth. But there's even songs on the record that kind of sound like something that for people that would have been into like the oncoming storm and so forth. And to me, it's I think that's really refreshing when you're able to kind of move forward, but still tip the hat to like what's come previously. You know, was that kind of a well, little look, bit of a concern? Go ahead. No, we're we're in a place we're in a place where where this happened. Like, I mean, we put up the oncoming storm. It did very well. Prior to that, we had things of conscience that came out that was like us as a VFW hall band, which was like we were just struggling to be musicians and get our word out. Back in the day we would write these riffs and things like we were trying to fuse like Iron Maiden, you know, mixed with like hate breed and crowbar and all that cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we were trying to do all that kind of thing. And like back then no one was doing it. So it's really, really easy writing a record. And then like, sure enough, we get popular and then a bunch of, you know, people like, you know, other bands and stuff wearing flip flops and stuff got like 10 times bigger doing what we did. And that, you know what I mean? And now we're like, <laughs> kind of like, you know, flip flop metal core bands, whatever, you know, 
you know, they got much bigger at what what they're doing. And I, I, I don't knock those bands at all for, you know, going, taking our sound and going forward with it. Cause you know, it's something that we tried to do, but, but compared to us versus like all the other bands in our genre, the guys that we grew up with or the guys that like kind of, you know, uh, took our sound and went forward with it. They, they're also kind of making the same sounding record today. Right. And, um, if you go, if you listen to like things, uh, you know, uh, Things of Conscience, Oncoming Storm, then to, then you go from Storm to, uh, 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 sorry, Three in the Eyes of Fire. Those are the dramatic jumps. Like we try, we tried our hardest to like make sure that like every record progressed differently and we weren't like the same old sounding on Earth. Even though people would, during that time period, people would be like, oh, this is a metalcore record and oh, you know, they chalk it up. They don't know how to label it and they just kind of call it metalcore and all that stuff. Right. Um, we did take chances. If you listen to other bands, that, you know, in our genre, they make, you can't tell one record from the next, you right. know? So, so we got to a point where, um, you know, we did a watch as a rule, right? Watch as a rule was a, sorry, uh, darkness and the light was a record that was very like, we wanted to, you know, go back to that storm period, write a really melodic record. Then buzz and I were really feeling like that. We should write a really technical record. Um, so we put out watch as a rule. And this record was like, and I were just like, you know, I'm really tired of like struggling on stage, like having to be precise on every note. I want to have fun again, like when, like when we're 20 years old on stage and play riffs and jump around and you know have a good time. And and um, believe it or not, like this record is. Everyone says that like, oh, we're the heaviest band ever now, and oh my god, it's so brutal. Like that's not on earth. Like like on earth is not going to give you some marketing crap like jargon that every band uses. It's like a record that sounds like we're a group of dudes like how we were when we were a VFW Hall band like yeah. this is this is us like VFW Hall band 2.0 and this is like where we belong and, and we feel like fun in doing this type of stuff and we may record who knows or we may stick with this a little bit but we feel really good about this particular record and you know in the the far reviews and people who have heard it uh, think it's, it's one of our best efforts so that's all you can hope for no, no, totally, and I, I definitely agree with that sentiment. I think it is a really great record. Like, it, it, part of me was kind of like, "Fuck!" I kind of wish this had come out a little bit earlier, so I could have sat with this a lot more. I mean, it's already. I mean, I've had it like what two, three days maybe, and I'm already like, "All right, this might be my one of my albums of the year already." Like, it's really fucking good, like start to finish. Like, there's dynamics in it. There's, there's, like I said, there's. I mean, the one thing I was wondering too, and, I, and I'm hoping it's. Uh, not something that's going to get said a whole bunch, but I think inevitably with you working with DL and some of the comments I've already read, I wonder if people are going to sit there and slag on it and be like, oh, it sounds like the Acacia Strain at, at parts. And it's like, well, I mean, fuck. <laughs> it, it really, yeah, it really doesn't. No, because, it doesn't. You know, but... like yeah, it doesn't. But like, again, this, this all has to do with everybody just not knowing how to label stuff and then just right. hearing, seeing a name or hearing. If you told, if you put like chocolate in someone's mouth and, that chew it and shut your eyes and think of strawberry. They might taste a little bit of strawberry. So <laughs> <laughs> we're experiencing right now, but like, you know, the record was written by us and, and we, and we definitely, you know, we wrote with DL and um, there's nothing wrong with that. Like uh, back in the day, Converge wrote a whole record with Steve Brodsky and it's one of the, I think one of their best records uh, from Caven. So, you know, did every, was everyone complaining that Steve Brodsky wrote on a, uh, uh you know, a, a Converge record? No, it was just made that Converge record awesome. They I, just collaborated with someone new. It was awesome. They were in between bass players and stuff, and Steve jumped in. So it's yeah. awesome. I love that, you know? like. 
don't yeah. know what to say. I am, uh, you know, you kind of touched on something I wanted to hit on, and I didn't necessarily know how I was going to get there, so it's kind of serendipitous that you sort of touched on it. You know, in listening to a lot of podcasts, you know, Josta podcasts, you know, the, the, the various cast of regular metal hard rock podcasts that are out there, you know, something that kind of sucks, you know, for me as a fan of bands and kind of just, like I said, the pseudo backhanded compliments of way of saying these things i've always thought that you guys were a band's band bands love touring with you bands love your music but the thing that i've always thought was kind of weird and and you know i've not really been able to ask someone who's had this said about them is you know a yeah. lot of bands will say man i really love on earth but you know i don't ever feel like they give the the credit that they're due so as someone that's in a band that has that kind of said about you quite a bit. How how does that make you feel? Because I I feel like you know a record like this is almost and actually really any of your records really are the what I would say is like a proto a prototype of what everyone the benchmark really of what people should aspire to be in this this genre where it's like we're not content doing this one thing and we're pushing it as far as we can. Like you know, there's the musicality of it. There's melody. There's there's all these things. We are should be viewed as as much as our contemporaries are but it seems like everyone kind of in the same breath will sort of i don't want to say put you down but it's always like that kind of thing like yeah there's unearth though like you know it, it just kind of sucks that like they aren't where we all feel like and know they should be at it's because uh it's because it's, it's exactly what i said earlier like what happened was is that we were the only like we the where we got our sound was by like playing shows with shadowfall and hatebreed like in the same weekend, right? We'd have right. to play with like bands like Turmoil or All War, or all these super heavy hardcore bands, or these really melodic, you know, bands like Shadow Fall or Killswitch or whatever. And you know, our sound came of that. We were trying to figure out a, to make a, a, a set list, right? To play. So if we played on Friday with Hatebreed, we could play another set list with Shadow Fall the next day, and it was all the same record. So, uh, so we started things into our music till the point where it made us like the sound of unearth and like we we re even took the the stance of like i mean i was hanging out with tosin bossy uh recently our clinics and he was like dude he's like i think you guys are the first metal band to to uh to put sweeps over breakdown and i was like maybe i i i don't know you know but i was like oh that would be that's kind of that's a really nice compliment he gave us you know uh to tosin you know someone who's that awesome that guitar to say that yeah and um all i can say is that like yeah, basically what happened is uh, people just took our sound at that time period because we got really big really quickly and there was no one else doing it. And there was like carving copies, like just printing themselves out, you know, like there was a million bands. I mean, um, bands that came after us, but but really good bands too. Like like um, August Burns Red is, is really good. Uh, Parkway Drive is really good. But, you know, they got 10 times bigger than us because they were a little bit younger, we were already at it for like six years and they put out some really good material and it just caught on. It was like the second wave. And let's not forget, like Deathcore had the same thing. There was Job for a Cowboy, you know, yeah. like remember that band? And oh. they, were, they were insane, but how many, now there's like bands like Whitechapel and like, you know, all these other really great bands that spawn off that that got bigger. Um, I think that's just kind of, we were just kind of that. We, we That kind of happened to us a little bit, but it doesn't take away the fact that like we were one of the first to, to, to make, you know, the modern metalcore, like, you know, once you get breakdowns and sweeps and you got, like, Iron Maiden cards infused in songs, I mean, that kind of, some of that influence came from us. I'm not saying we're the first to do it by any means. Like, 
like I was saying it today, I did a, a interview for Guitar Player Magazine, um, and I said, like, I personally think Kevin was the first band to do that. Right. Steve Brodsky was awesome. Like, they had, like, breakdowns and melodic riffs over beautiful beds of octaves and overdubs and, you know, and just singing. And it was, like, everything that, like, Poison the Well and all these other bands and Zayo and were trying to do, mixed with Converge. It was, it was the perfect, it was metalcore at its finest. Um, but we, you know, we were that. We Some of that happened to us, and you know what? We are on Earth. We're happy to be have our career. We're lucky for everything that we've ever achieved, and I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, hopefully time will tell and people will take notice. But I think I think we're a really cool band. I think we did something really great. I think we continue to still make great records that sound different, and that's a lot. You know, a lot of other bands can't say that. I agree with with all of that. Um, you know, I kind of wanted to talk about working with Will Putney, who I feel like has become the new heavy metal producer, the new Adam D like, it seems like every so often there's, there's a new producer who kind of puts their stamp on, on what it is, whether it was Ross Robinson in the early days, I could even say Steve Ebbets could probably be in there as well. And Adam D obviously had a big hand in, you know, the, the late nineties, early two thousands, you know, quote unquote metal core sound. But I think Will Petney's, you know, putting out records that are crushingly heavy, but have a clarity to them that I've not really, not that I've really heard from anybody else, like the attention to detail that he's got. So, I mean, what was it like working with, with Will on this record? Will's a, Will's a phenomenal uh, producer. I, I, I uh, enjoyed working with him. Um, I don't want you to, you know, I, I tell you, but there's a lot of great producers that, like, you know, kind of left the metal scene. I mean, for one, Andy Smith. Yeah. Uh, he obviously, uh, uh, Mark Lewis is, uh, we worked on a number of records. He's unbelievable. Like, I mean, his mixing is, it's so good. Like, I, I, I can't speak highly enough about him. Um, but, but yeah, no, Will was like, I love Will because I, I, a lot of times when I do producing and stuff, I, I always feel like I made a record with Madball and I remember to myself, I know what this is because I kind of grew up listening to them or I know what they're about. And um, I got the same vibe from Will. I just, like, from day one, I just felt like Will was, like, mature, right? He was, like, he was like on point with what he wanted us to do. Uh, he was, like, great in the studio. Uh, when we went in and, like, took the songs that, you know, Buzz and I wrote or Buzz, I, Buzz and I and DL wrote, you know, back to the studio, he had, like, great, like, insight as to how to, you know, take it to the next level, uh, adding parts or changing parts or, or whatever it is or just song structure in general. Um, so he's like, he's really, really, really good. And I, and, and I think the reason why you, um, you feel that way about his producing too is because he has really, he's almost like a scout as well. He's very different. He's old school when it comes to like producing. Like a lot of old school producers like, uh, uh, Rick Rubin and stuff like that used to seek fans and, and want to work with them. And, and Will's the same way. I think he's very proactive about like what he chooses to work on and what he thinks is cool. And um, I think he struck gold a bunch of times because he has, like, he's, he's just in tune. And uh, not to mention, like, I mean, he, you know, he's technically in um, uh, Fit for an Autopsy. I mean, he does all the writing and stuff. And I think he does, well, most of the writing with Pat or whatever it is. I don't, I don't know their, their arrangement, but, but he's a phenomenal uh, musician, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he could just turn out material. So um, being able to be in a room with him, uh, I know all had a great time. Uh, you know, working with him, Trevor, Buzz, myself, like, it, it was just, it was really easy, and I would love to work with him again and get the opportunity, for sure. Yeah, I was, uh, 
really i mean i shouldn't be because i mean even if you look at like will's other band and i mean just a disgustingly brutal band uh yeah he just knows what he's doing he just knows what he's doing and and he's and he's got a really good attitude about the whole thing yeah. you know like he's just he's just one of those guys that kind of knows what he likes to hear knows what he wants to hear and, and there's times where he knows he's like you know what this isn't working and he's not married to anything um, and I think all good producers can remove themselves from a, a specific thing if there's a problem. Those the, the good producers can do that, you know. Right. You know, I kind of I wanted to have you on for a while to talk about something else. So I'll, I'll kind of you know, in, in wrapping up in the last couple of minutes, uh, get to some of that. So, um, you know, you've worked with you know Dave. I saw you working with Dave Pino again, uh, doing your next music video, uh, which looks interesting. Uh, are any of the Muppets that he does going to be in? <laughs> going to be in it? <laughs> Dave Dave didn't help with the video, but his okay. So uh, his brother and I, um, Frank, Dave, my yeah, and Frank, and we're we're basically family. I mean, um, spent all my time with him and his family, and and vice versa. Um, so Dave lives in Texas. Uh, he plays with Andy WK, mm-hmm. uh, Tim Dennison, uh, uh, Frank, sorry, Frank, Frank Pino has like a, 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 a like a, a media kind of station, like a place where we make like videos and rock videos and fun, cool projects. And, and, you know, it's like he has this whole media studio, uh, called punch dance mm-hmm. and, uh, Tim Dennison runs the video portion of it with Jarvis, uh, Anthony Jarvis. Those two guys are extremely talented. They've done videos for kill switch and they used to work, they work with, um, like uh, uh, McFarlane and Pesci, uh, a lot of cases like making like Machine Head videos and stuff. So now they're you know obviously making their own videos. Uh, so uh, really talented group of people, a lot of really talented people in Boston. But this particular media studio is like the the place where we made our current video. Is the place where like I do all my shedding for like I have like a grunge band called Swivel and, mm-hmm. and we rehearse there. And uh, I you know I do a lot of media stuff there. I, I do a lot of photography on the side and um. And, uh, yeah, I work out of that studio and, uh, those guys, it was just, it was just a matter of time until, um, you know, they wanted, I wanted them to make a unearth video and sure enough, they made two. And I mean, the video that I did with my grunge band swivel for clueless, uh, you can see it on YouTube. It's like, it's awesome. And we did it in like four hours. It was like nothing. And they, then they edited it and it was like up on the internet before so quickly. So we really, we really needed to work, you know, we really wanted to work with a really good, like, you know, video team. And uh, this was this was perfect for us, and they were local and it was easy. But uh, but Dave's one of my best friends. Frankie is uh, you know I'm godparent to one of his kids, so we're, we're our two families are very 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 close. Yeah, it was fun talking with Dave. He was like, "Well, you seem to know a lot about our Boston scene and Ken and all those guys." I was like, well, "It's the internet and reading magazines." <laughs> but you know, uh, I gotta say, like I go on record and say, Dave Pino is probably one of the best guitar players I know, and it's, it's crazy that he plays in Andrew. And he doesn't do much shredding, but um, like, like he doesn't put himself in front of the camera and play. But he can play circles around like eighty percent of the, or ninety percent of the people that I know. He is, he's insanely he is talented. Oh yeah, yeah. He like if you ask him to play, he sounds like Vito Brada meets Eddie Van Halen meets. Like I, I we were somewhere and Paul Gilbert was there uh, at Ibanez once when we were checking one of my guitars and uh, Paul Gilbert was like, "Oh, you were in uh, the band Demone at one point," and yep. uh, Dave was like literally drooling. That he even knew the name, and then he's like, "Yeah, I kind of wrote a, a, a I lick based off of one of your lick kind of things," and I, I literally thought Dave was gonna faint. So that's how good of a guitar player is. Where Paul Gilbert's like, "Yeah, I remember you. You're like, I remember that lick. It was sick." And, and Dave's like, "Oh my god!" 
Yeah, Dave <laughs> was surprised that, that I Dave was surprised that I had seen Damone uh way back in the day and he was like, Really? He's like, that band barely existed and I was like, I saw you guys, dude. But, yeah, uh, well, the band that he's known for in the area too is Waltham, and Waltham was yeah, like, ah, yeah. oh, they should have been huge. Well, speaking of bands, kind of, you know that, and this is what I was gonna get into. So, first of all, I've been a fan of Burn Your Wishes for a long fucking time. I even bothered you at a show <laughs> for the uh, the song, the seven inch split you ended up doing. And I gotta say, I'm I'm really kind of bummed that nothing really ever became of that because uh, according to your MySpace, you're still recording. Um, so yeah, we're still recording. No, no, you know what happened was is uh, Unearth, Unearth, and, Unearth and Killswitch like got so big, and Adam got so busy that it was a it was a kind of a thing that I was doing, and then Adam was like, "Hey, can I do this with you?" And I was like, "Yeah." So we made a record, and uh, a lot of it at the time because he's a producer, you know, fell on him. But then he got super busy with doing records and then tour, then record, then tour it just really became a thing that never happened because of that. And, you know, Adam and I both decided to, that's like, yeah, maybe it's not, maybe we could have did something really cool, but you know what I mean? Like, like together, but I don't know. It, it, it just wasn't in the card. Sometimes you just got to have that, like two people got to really want it. And, uh, you know, at one point I really wanted to do something like that, but I think he was also, you know, just so busy yeah. that it's like, you know, you want to do something out of love, not out of like, oh, I, I, I have to do it, you know? And, um, I, I didn't want that, so it was cool. We made like a little video, we made a little uh, EP, and and uh, we called it a day. So um, yeah, so so since then, you know, I decided like to to I found a, a tape in my house from like one of my first girlfriends ever. It was like a it was a whole tape, and uh, I really you know remembered how much I really liked runs and stuff. So I started a band with uh, Noel uh, from that band, Simone, Actually, that was you know signed to like two or three majors, you know, and like. Uh, She's really fantastic, and we're looking for a label now. But um, to do, we want to put out our release. But we have like twelve songs, and they're like straight up like Nirvana meets Baruga Salt meets like all that stuff. So Mark Lewis is actually mixing it. <laughs> so if that ever comes out, it'd be pretty sick. Yeah, and then uh, you know, speaking further to another band that seemingly had all the potential and just kind of went away, um, USA, USA, USA. I was so fucking pumped on that band because it was like everything i wanted it's like got really great hooks and great vocals like frank does a great job on it and it seemed like that was going to be you know like a really good side band for you to kind of showcase some of that aspect of things yeah and... it, it got labeled as pop punk or some shit which was it was more crooner music with loud guitars and actually atlantic took notice into us and we they flew us out there twice to go do this like showcase it was really like fucking like big room at SIR in LA and then like some produced some like like we literally flew there once they Dino Cazares let us use his jam space uh, from Fear Factory and then the next thing you know like this uh, this rep from Atlanta comes out he's like we want to sign you guys blah 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 we flew back home and then we're like cool this is awesome we may get signed by Atlantic and then the next thing you know they fly us back out there we're in this big room at SIR and literally um what's that band um Maroon 5 was, like, next door rehearsing for some tour, you know? It was, like, when they were doing their makeup, their makeover, where Adam Levine, like, they're teaching the guys how to dress and stuff way back, you know, and getting them back together or whatever. And um, literally, this guy shows up. He sits down in front of us. Mind you, it's, like, a huge concert stage with three chairs in front of us. This guy literally was having a baby that day. So he's, like, he sat down with his cell phone, staring at his cell phone the whole time. We played, like, three songs, and he was, like, yeah, okay, I passed. This is, you know, I don't like it. <laughs> and like, and we're like, oh, cool. Awesome. Thanks, dude. And, uh, and he like ran out the door and it was like, yeah, I wasted my time. That's, that was fun. So, so that was, uh, that was, a uh, 
that was funny to see the uh, that side of the music industry. Uh, you know, I had to see something like that in my lifetime, and I'm glad I actually got to experience it. The guy just was having it one of those days and didn't want to sign us. So, <laughs> so that's kind of like we played a few shows, and then we just kind of uh, decided to like you know, it was it was more of a studio record than anything, and and we just moved on. We may do like a a reunion show. We had some fun doing it. Yeah, I was trying real hard to book you guys out here in the Midwest, and just wasn't really panning out because <laughs> just it wasn't <laughs> yeah. happening. No, and well, then, you uh, can blame the guy from Atlantic Records. I I will get a hold of him and, and blame him. Actually, I probably will ask you afterward uh, to send me those tracks because I don't think they're on iTunes anymore, so I I can't seemingly find any of it. They're on I... Bandcamp. Bandcamp, okay. And yeah, go they... to Bandcamp USA USA and and Swivel. We have the one song up there too, but the record will hopefully come up soon. And is uh. I got it. Well, it's more of a Frank question. Why the fuck did you change the verse, <laughs> the verse lyrics to oh, Michelle? Oh, the verse. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we, that's where in walks Dave. Dave's like one of those guys. Like we had a verse, and he was just like, "Ah, oh, something's not right. Something's not right. Something's not right." Dave, like Dave and I wrote most of the material. I, I literally got too drunk at Nam, and I like <laughs> I missed my flight, and I ended up living in L.A. with like ten bucks in my pa- like my pocket. And for a week on Dave's like couch, and uh, we decided to write the USA record, and we got all the way to the point where we had the lyrics and the music and all that stuff. And Frank was having a really hard time believing in the the lyric at the time because uh, you know sometimes when you don't write something, it's hard to right. sing about it, you know, sing about stuff, and you know it's it's really in your face kind of stuff. So um, at one point, um, Dave walked in like a month or two later and was just like, you know, he's like, there's something wrong with the flow of that verse, and and uh, Dave, being a great producer like he is, was just stepped in and. And and uh, we all wrote something, and next thing you know, we all looked up and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's it, and that was it. But literally, that song was cool. It was like a girl that we all knew, and uh, we were basically that song was just uh, sorry. The whole uh, catalog was about girls that we knew, right? That like we were paying homage to. Like every girl likes a song written about them, and we found it really easy to write songs about other people and being selfless with our music. Uh, and it told a great story. So uh, you know, it just so happens with this girl named Michelle that we all kind of like thought was a cool. She's a cool chick. She partied with us every weekend kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, she used to just like, like to drink and have fun. And <laughs> so we decided to write a song about her. It's very Eddie Money of you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we if you ever go to the you know Hampton Beach Casino in uh, Massachusetts, Frank and I will be at every Eddie, every, every Eddie Money show that exists. So Shaking your tits? Any of those guys, we go and check it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I was going to get into a little bit about Fishman, but I, I think you probably have talked a lot about that already. Um, well, uh, you know, just to add to it, Fishman's been amazing, uh, to me, uh, you know, Larry Fishman invented this like really great technology that no one has for guitar pickups. And, uh, I decided to, uh, join up with him, uh, because I was, you know, I still had a lot of time home. And uh, sometimes when, you know, you're not making a record or not touring or something like that, you feel kind of like, oh, I should do something, be proactive. But it's only once in a lifetime that you find something that's so revolutionary and so amazing that you, like, want to be a part of it. So I actually asked Larry to, you know, work with him. Um, and I told him he didn't have to pay me, but for some reason he still pays me and he still asks me to keep coming to work. So, so <laughs> that's actually cool. Uh, but Larry Fishman is um, one of the greatest people that I've ever met in my life. Um, I've learned so much from him. And uh, I, I, I can't express uh, how grateful I am to have met him and to be working with him. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, I, uh, it seemingly went from 
no, like just hearing about it word of mouth because of obviously Dave and, and you and a handful of other people that I see like on the internet to then it's like, oh, Steph Carpenter is using them. Oh my God, everybody's fucking using them. Everybody on ESP is using them. And it's like, okay, like shit. <laughs> so much to the point where a friend of mine was like, oh, I need new pickups in this Ibanez or whatever he was using. I was like, I'm sure Ken can probably explain what pickups out of the Fishman's you should use. <laughs> I know, I know. I literally, like, I couldn't, when I became their artist relations rep, I couldn't even give away a set of pickups, and I knew how good they were, so I kept pressing, you know, the people that were on my roster, like, you know, Satchel from Still Panther and, like, all these guys that I've been friends with over the years, and sure enough, they try them, and then they like them, and then, not, you know, then um, people are using the gear. It was, it was just so, it was like, I took the company, you know, with Larry and, and the help of the, the team and stuff from, like, making... Literally, we're you know selling a few hundred thousand you know dollars worth a year to like well into the millions now, and it's it's unbelievable to like see what a little bit of drive and a little bit of like you know talk can do. Um, you know, I helped spark the business through my cell phone and my contacts, and and it's amazing. Sometimes you're you're surprised at the, those types of things that you can do, like when you least expect it. You're like, oh, I know all these cool people, and let's see if I can help. And next thing you know, like like you're in a place where like. This, this this thing's popping off like you know my my friends mixed with larry's like technology and and being a part of their team now it's just it's just a win-win-win situation yeah i think it's a probably a good indicator of how you have been able to be successful as long as you have in in unearth and, and really any of the bands or endeavors you've been a part of though yeah i'd like to consider myself a renaissance man no i'm just kidding <laughs> um, I, I could do anything if you want me to play the flute i can play the flute i'll figure it out <laughs> and uh lastly you know uh have you plug your socials and when you're done with plugging the socials uh pick a song to end the episode out to so where can people find you sure uh people can find me on facebook which i never check uh just ken cc but instagram i'm always uh pretty proactive on so it's at Ken Susi. If you uh, are interested in uh, photography, portraits, landscape, places that I've been, uh, at Ken Susi Photography on Instagram. Um, basically, you can find me on YouTube. Um, same thing, Ken Susi. Fish, uh, basically, go to Fishman, their site. I'm all over that. Um, and as far as the song to plug, do you want it to be one of ours or somebody else's? can be whatever. As long as I can find it on okay. the internet. All right, so play Crossbear uh, from Caven because I mentioned Caven like twice on this, this podcast. So. <laughs> awesome. I, I miss the days where you were bukkaking on everything. I know. It's kind of weird when you walk into an office <laughs> where people have been working there for like 20 and 30 years and like you just got hired there and you're trying to make new friends and they're like, hey, I uh, saw your profile and your name Bukaken. Explain. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, uh... I don't know. So it's, <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. Like Larry Fishman was actually funny too. There's some YouTube videos of me drunk talking garbage in like the mid 2000s. <laughs> and I made a comment about, you know, something with a vagina and a horse and like a hand gesture and stuff. And, and like literally like four years of working in the Fishman. There was one night where I was like, Larry and I were working late and we were just talking about how I got hired there. And, and I, and I made a comment like, I'm like, you never really checked me for resume. I'm like, I have a college degree and this and that and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I'm surprised you just kind of like took me in. And he's like, I'm like, and I'm like, you barely knew me. And then, like, he stuck out his hand and made that, like, I'm feeding the horse vagina <laughs> thing. And I was like, oh, my God, you saw that? And he just started laughing. He's like, yeah, I know what you're about. And he started laughing. <laughs> so, so, uh, so, yeah, these are the good times. The Internet's a one hell of a thing. 
I ended up getting, speaking of Bukakis, I ended up getting a guest solely because somehow I referenced Bukaki and I was like, you know, it's really weird how this fetish, this, what, what where, where it came from initially, you know, the, the ancient Japanese, uh, yeah basically yeah yeah it was basically it would either you know cause a woman such shame that she would kill herself or basically for the transgressions she passed usually cheating on your your spouse or whatever that basically like if this act happened either if you didn't kill yourself then all is forgiven which is fucked up because basically you're more or less cheating with everybody but hey we're not gonna get into that but it was like one of those things (laughs) where i go and then you know 200 400 500 years however long it is now it's a fetish and it's like that's just kind of how the world works yeah yeah it's, it's kind of weird how this the, the whole thing is i i just always like the word bukaki because you can just add, slap an n on it and then that's my last you know my first name right there at the end so i was like oh that's cool bukaki sounds right but, <laughs> but I, think, I think it fits. <laughs> i think it fits i was i was expecting when you released your signature guitar to be called the bukaki <laughs> Oh my god, I should do that. Yeah, I'll just put out a white guitar. It'd be great. Oh. <laughs> Snow white, but different. Uh. Well, Ken, <laughs> thank you again for taking the time uh, to do this conversation, and uh, hopefully it wasn't too uh, too bad for you. And you guys can uh, be seen. I think you got another, another, what, two weeks, three weeks left of this tour with uh, Fit for an Autopsy and uh, all them? Yeah, if you need me, I'll be uh, in the back of a van for eight hours staring out the window doing nothing. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be working. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That I'm watching. That, uh, you know, whatever, whatever I can. YouTube mainly. You but uh, awesome, brother. Thank you very much for taking the time. Yeah, you as well. Thank you very much. Take it easy. So that was my conversation with Ken Susie of On Earth. Dan, you couldn't be there, but uh, you did get to hear this conversation. What did you think of it? You know, I thought it was decidedly below average. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it was a good chat, man, and you know something that I told I was telling you on text earlier. It's like really refreshing to hear somebody talk about their band like they're proud of it. <laughs> you <laughs> it know? really is. Like it, it is. It sounds like such a simple thing. Like of course somebody that's been in a band for this long, and and kind of been there since the inception is going to be very, um, you know, very proud of it or whatever. But like you don't really hear that. Like so many people just. They don't down their band, but it's always like played off like it's no big deal. And so it was kind of cool to hear, like, dude, no, I love this band. I think we're great, you know. <laughs> well, how much of that do do you think is the fact that for a while, you know, we would have people who would be like, "Oh, my band is awesome," this and the other, and you'd be like, "Wow, you're really fucking pretentious." Yeah, but it didn't come off like that. Like no, when you listen to him talk, he sounds like an excited kid that's just happy to be in a band. Yeah, I mean, and like I said in the intro, I mean, having seen Unearth over 10 years ago like for the first time it's like that's what that band gives you when you see them though right yeah it's all energy for sure um i've seen on earth a couple of times on different tours and uh definitely always i used to always say like you know from from a stage perspective they're incredible you know but uh like i said man i'm i'm pretty much on board with this new album so um it looks like they're actually rolling into town here in St. Louis uh, on November 16th. Well, this um, on Earth show, man, that's going to be packed. It looks like fit for an autopsy there, mm-hmm. the agony scene, and mm-hmm. traitors. So, yeah, I checked a out a little bit. Of, get myself out there. Checked out a little bit of traitors. I was, was like, ah, oh, shit, that's it's a stack bill. Traitors was the only band I hadn't really heard of, so I checked out a couple songs. And I was like, ah, fuck, that'd be one of those shows where I'm like, I guess, I guess that venue is getting all my drinking money. I'm probably going to spend some money on merch. Like, right. 
it's it's one of those i mean it's a good it's a good problem to have where you you enjoy a whole night of uh music i definitely need to get a new hoodie so i'm gonna be really it's gonna be really hard three-way tie between uh between fit for an autopsy unearth and uh the agony scene because agony scene is so old school for me that like it'd be hard not to get that hoodie you know well, at least on Earth, you'll be able to read. That's true. Well, fit for an aut- autopsy, yeah. I mean, it's just like, did somebody puke on your, uh, <laughs> all over your hoodie there? Yeah, man, it was me. That show was rad. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm uh, hoping to check the guys uh some point in the next, this album cycle. Um, At some point, I, I think, uh, like, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to hear that, uh, and something I don't think a lot of people really, I, I don't think I've really heard it discussed. You know, I think people don't realize that, you know, once a record's done and done being recorded, that a band pretty much only will probably play maybe four songs off of the album. So the fact that Ken had made it kind of a point, like, yeah, we've learned eight of the, I think it's 10 or 11 songs um, that they can switch in and out. It's like, that's pretty fucking cool. Like, you don't know when you're going to, like, what you're going to get night in and night out off the new record. And to me, like, that's another thing. And, you know, I know I probably, to me, this is... The band I always fucking comment on this band, like Dan's favorite band is AO, Mine's Every Time I Die. No big fucking whoop. I say it all the time. Right. But I mean, I think that's the thing uh, about bands like Every Time I Die and, and bands from that era is those bands just learn how to play everything. So to keep it fun and fresh for you and for them. And I feel yeah. like you don't see that really with bands anymore. It's like, here's your set list, and it's going to be the same thing night in and night out. The speeches are going to be well rehearsed by the end of the set, like by the end of the tour. Like, it just is what it is, and and I don't, I don't necessarily fault any bands for doing that because, you know, if you've ever been with a band or gotten to see a tour a handful of times or seen a tour, the start of a tour, and then seen the end of the tour, it's like sometimes like that sweet spot is like the last week or so of the tour because, like, like I just said, everything's so dialed in that that's where the fun can happen because you're not having to, like, look at your guitar. You're not having to, like, think about things. You kind of go on, on autopilot mode, and... To me, sometimes, like, those are some of the best shows to go see because, like I said, the, the band is just firing on all cylinders. However, knowing that you can't go to Setlist FM and see what you're going to see, like, that's yeah. that's pretty exciting for me as a fan. And to see, hear that Ken and them are, you know, most of the way through the record, have it all down to where they can pull it out at any point, like, that's exciting to hear as a fan, like all these songs rip like so if you're telling me like potentially i could hear sidewinder or hear some of these other songs that haven't been released yet like i'm all about it yeah it definitely brings back that uh feeling that that exciting feeling of a show is like oh my god what's next oh my god what's next or they'll play some song where you're like well i don't know how they're gonna follow that you know so if you would like to keep up with ken uh you can find him on facebook and instagram simply at ken susie uh no longer at bukaken uh I did just see, actually, though, in looking up his Twitter, that the old Twitter Bukaken Ken Susi page is still able to be found, uh, but sadly, you're not going to be seeing anything updated or tweeted at all. Um, and that was kind of a fun story to end, end the episode out with, was, uh, you know, uh, Larry Fishman of uh, Fishman Fluence pickups and so forth of uh, him basically making that jerk-off horse. <laughs> Dude. You never cease to amaze me, John. Well, I mean, it wasn't that wasn't my story, but well, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> the stuff the stuff that you remember. I mean, how could you not? But I mean, come on, let, let's all give credit to Ken here. Bukakin is a pretty good fucking, you know, social media handle. 
it's kind of the best one. And it's, it's one honest, of them. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> and then just like how nonchalant he is. It's Bukaki with N at the end. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, Bukakin. <laughs> and then, but oh. then you went into a whole history lesson. Well, I mean, you know, there might be people who, I mean, I'm not going to tell you to Google Bukaki, but. Right. Uh, I mean, you, it's, it's educational. So, and then, you know, the, the semen white uh, guitar. <laughs> Guitar. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'll just release a white guitar. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> if you would like to keep up with uh, Ken again, you can find him on Facebook and Instagram simply at his name, Ken Susie, all one word. Uh, if you would like to find uh, his photography and follow that, he actually does some really cool photography. Uh, you can find him at Ken Susie Photography. And if you'd like to keep up with the band, basically you can find them everywhere Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at Unearth Official. And if you would like to keep up with our show partner, Mosh Pit Nation, you can find them at moshpitnation.com. Facebook is Mosh Pit Nation West Capital MRI. Twitter and Instagram are simply Mosh Pit Nation. And if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can find them at thebeanbastard.com. Get you some delicious coffee. There's a brand new blend. Uh, had some kiwi in it and some uh, stone fruit, I believe is what it was. It looked sounded very interesting. Uh, so I might have to... Head over there and pick up a bag myself of that and try that. Um, but you can also find The Bean Bastard at Facebook and Instagram at Simply The Bean Bastard. And Dan, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Daniel Terry. <laughs> you can find me on uh, Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. And you can find my other podcast at DiscussMetal.com. And if you would like to keep up with all things going on here with the podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Johnson Title Podcast. Tweet at us at Johnson Title Pod and email us at johnsontitlepod at gmail.com. And so without further ado, we're going to end this out to Crossbearer by Kaven, potentially the kings of Metalcore, the, the, the godfathers of Metalcore. One of. One Absolutely. of. Absolutely. And we will talk to you next time where we'll have Kevin from Old Wounds on.